0: Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at Christian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. All right, guys, if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn to Colossians chapter
1: 3. We're going to continue on in our study of our life in Christ. And, you know, as we're getting into chapter 3, Paul is focusing a lot more on helping you to understand what your life is in Jesus. And I want you to to grasp the reality of what we're going to be talking about. And, And as I've been going through this, I think it's very, very interesting Paul wants you to understand that the Christian life is not a set of rules to live by. But rather, it is a life to be lived based upon who you now are in Jesus. Now the problem is, for a lot of us, we don't understand who we are. We you know we know about coming to Christ, and we know about coming to him by faith and and we've accepted christ some of us when we were small as children some it was later in life but you come to a place where you realize who jesus is and the relationship that you have with him And, and but then you don't understand what that means completely now you understand you go to church and you get kind of adjusted to christianity based upon what the church culture is and what they're telling you to do and a lot of times they have a lot to tell you to do right Don't dress this way, wear your haircut this way, carry this kind of Bible, don't go here, don't go there, show up here, show up there, give. And and so you begin to think in terms of Christianity as being that. Well, I'm going to be honest with you, that's pretty boring. Oh, well, you know, George, I've had some exciting times in church. I, I understand that, but for the most part, for a lot of people, that's boring. Why do you say that it's boring, George? Look at how many people are leaving the churches these days. They're walking away from Christianity. I mean, the news is filled with it. I mean, I, in my Christian journals that I read, I'm always reading about some guy walking away from the faith, some prominent guy deciding that's it, he's hanging it up. Or, or hearing about young people deciding that's it, I'm done. And, and, and part of it is, can I be honest with you, part of it is they got a false view of what Christianity is. They have a false understanding of the salvation that they have in Christ and what the Christian life is. To them, the Christian life is a service to attend. To them, the Christian life is a set of things you do and don't do and things you get involved in. And, 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 and I'll be, I hate to admit it, we've kind of conveyed that in church. But Christianity is so much more than that, folks. Christianity is a living relationship with God, whom you can talk to and bear your soul with, and know that he loves you. And we're going to talk about him hearing you today in our message, because what we're going to look at today is the new life, your new life in Jesus. Paul wants you to understand you have a new life And you need to understand completely what that is. And so we're going to look at verses 12 through 17 today. And we're going to see what it is about the new life, who we are, how Jesus sees us, the things that he calls us to do, and then he's talking about sustaining the new life. You might be shocked by how you sustain the new life. Okay, so let's look at it together. Look with me, verse 12. Therefore... As the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. And let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. All right, so here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to, we're going to take these verses, and we're going to basically look at three main things we're going to focus on today. First of all, we're going to focus on your identity. Most of you have no clue about this. I understand, because for a long time, I operated that way. Well, I'm saved. That's all I can say. I'm saved. Well, it's a whole lot more to it than that. So you're going to see your identity. We're going to see that in verse 12. We're going to see a call to action. So he's going to tell us how we should be. Now, again, this isn't religious rules. This isn't ritual. You're actually going to see he's talking about the essence of who you are as a person and how you interact with other people. So we're going to talk about a call to action. And then we're going to see how do you sustain the new life that we're called to. How is it that you can keep going on understanding who you are in Jesus and being the kind of person that he wants you to be? We're going to look at that as well. So let's talk, first of all, about your identity. He tells us three things in verse 12. Let me read those to you again. Therefore, here's what he says. He's describing you now as the elect of God, holy and beloved. He's saying three things about you and I. You are the elect of God. Now, I'm going to explain what that is in a minute. You are holy. Whoa, wait a minute, George. Hold on. Now, that one, ah, you don't know what I've been doing. You don't know what I'm struggling with. How can you say that? Well, just hold on. You're holy. And then finally, you're beloved. Beloved by who? God. We're going to talk about those three things. So let's look at them. First of all, here's the first one. I know that when we say this, he says you are the elect of God. Let me just say this. So this isn't an issue of whether or not you were chosen and these are not chosen. Forget that. That's a theological issue that is just going to cloud your mind from the central truth. Here is the central truth you need to understand when he calls you the elect of God. Here's what he says. God chose you for a renewed relationship with him. That's the point here. God chose you. God chose me. Out of a world that is totally in rebellion against them in their heart. Now when I'm talking about rebellion against them in their heart, listen to me. I'm not talking about that they're just outright thumbing their nose at God. Although some are. It's talking about people who have no room for God and they just do their own thing. But out of that, God reached out to you. And didn't he reach out to you? Somebody came to you with what? The gospel. Maybe it was a a grandparent. Maybe it was a parent. Somebody came to you and shared with you. Maybe it was a friend at work. Maybe it was a pastor, maybe somebody you listened to on the radio, but somewhere your mind opened up because the Spirit of God opened your mind and you understood the gospel and you responded because he wanted to have a relationship with you. Is that not an awesome thought? Listen, sometimes we struggle. I know how it is, especially when, when things are pouring in on our lives when we're going through hardship and we're going through difficulties and we're like, oh my goodness, it can't get any worse than this. And then all of a sudden we start thinking, God, you must not love me anymore. We think that way, don't we? We've been there. It's okay to admit that to yourself. Here's what you have to remind yourself of. The reality is that he is the one who chose you to have a relationship out to you. His spirit gave you understanding. God is the one who's reaching out to you. So that's the first thing, that you are elect. You are chosen. Here's the second thing. He calls you holy. Well, that's not true, George, you know, because I'm, I'm a sinner. I've done wrong. Man, my thoughts are wrong. My actions are wrong. My attitudes are wrong. What in the world is he saying that I'm Holy. Is that just kind of a positional thing? No, no. Let me give you a a proper understanding of the word holy here. It doesn't, you know, we like to say it means that you're separated unto. That's really not what it's conveying here. You want to know what it means? It means you're dedicated to him. You're consecrated. God has dedicated you to him. So here's the point I want you to see. Your life is now devoted and dedicated to God. As a believer, your life is for him. How do you know that? Go go back to Psalm 37. You know, I tell you this Psalm all the time. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in them. So God is the one who orders your life. He delights in your life. Because your life now as a believer is devoted to him. You are living your life, but you know, I'm not a missionary, George. I'm not, I'm not even a Sunday school teacher. I'm not even, I don't have any kind of position. I just work. Yeah but you're living your life for God there. Your life, wherever you are, in the neighborhood you live in, the house or the part of town or the part of the township you live in, your life, where you work, where you go and shop, whatever it is, the restaurant you like to hang out in, your life is devoted and dedicated to him. You belong to God. That's the point he wants you to see. And then finally here is this is the one that we have a hard time grasping. He calls you beloved. What does it mean? You're loved by God. You are loved by God. You know, I just recently did a study through Daniel. One of the things I've noticed when I was going through that study is whenever Daniel was seeking something from God, and God sent an angel to, to answer his prayer, the angel always started out, when he talked to Daniel, he says, Daniel, greatly beloved by God. Whoa. The angel had to make the point to tell Daniel, God loves you. Folks, so I don't know how your week has been. And I don't know what's coming. I don't know if you screwed up royally this week. But I'm going to tell you something the reality is, is you are greatly loved. What does that mean? Listen. Think for a moment. Get down to earthly things for a moment and think how we act as human beings. I got four kids. Are they perfect? No. Yours aren't either. Right? Does that change how much you love them? No. No, it doesn't change how much you love them at all, right? Even when they make you mad. You're mad, but you love them, right? Been there, done that. That'll happen again, right? Listen, God's the same way. Nothing's going to change how he sees you. You've got to grasp this. Isn't that amazing, though? Think for a moment of the bondage I lived in, some of us have lived in for a while. What do you mean? Church culture puts you in bondage. Why? Well, I haven't been attending like I should be, or I haven't been giving like I should, or I haven't been serving like I should. That had nothing to do with how God saw me. Do you understand what I'm saying? That had nothing to do with who I am in Jesus. Who are you in Jesus? You are chosen by him for a relationship. He loves you. You are accepted by Him. You are dedicated to Him. Your life is devoted to Him. Don't you understand that? That's who you are. Quit living in defeat. So many of us have lived in defeat and are living in defeat because of those things. And you don't need to. Look, there are legitimate reasons to be defeated. That ain't one of them. Did you understand what I'm saying? that's not it so when you understand who you are it calls you to live a different kind of life what kind of different kind of life well let's take a look at it look at the last part of verse 12 here we're going to see the first one look at what he says it's kind of amazing what he's telling us to do here he says put on all right so put on remember we talked about that he said put off and put on last week In the verses before, kind of like putting on new clothes versus the old clothes. So quit dressing shabbily, dress up nice is what he's talking about, figuratively. I'm not telling you to do that. Okay, you just come as you are. He's talking about putting on new actions here, new attitudes. Okay, so here, look at what he says. Put on, look at what he says, tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, So he's talking about, what is he talking about here? Attitudes. He's talking about attitudes. Listen, remember I told you that sometimes the rules in church that we've had, sometimes those are a whole lot easier than changing who you are. As a person, Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes the rules, showing up dressed this way, showing up all the time, every time the doors open up, showing up doing this giving, blah, 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 and all this stuff you're supposed to do. Don't do this. Don't do that. Do this. Here's the thing. That's easy. Changing your attitude isn't. Right? You ever been told that? Change your attitude. Had a parent tell you that? I've been told that many times as a young man. Change your attitude. It's a whole lot easier to say that than do it, right? But that's what he's calling us to. How can you do it? Because you are somebody new in Jesus. So he's calling you to what? Change your attitude. So here it is. Your life must reflect new attitudes. Christians need to reflect new attitudes. See, this is the thing. God's not interested in that stuff. He's interested in who you are as a person and how you interact with others. So when you think about what he's talking about here, look at this. Tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering. That all has to do with you and your attitudes and how you interact with other people. Do you understand? That's what the new life is calling us to. Here's the second thing the new life is calling us to. Look with me at verse 13. Bearing with one another. Uh Uh-oh. What does that mean? Putting up with people. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also you must do. We don't like that last part, do we? We like holding grudges. But here's what he's saying here. Here it is. Your new life must respond with patience and forgiveness towards others. We're called to that. Why? Because you and I have been forgiven in spite of us, right? So we need to bear with one another. What does that mean? Be patient with one another. What does that mean? Hang around a while. Interact with people for a long time. They will pluck your nerves, They will do things that bother you, right? Or do you all come from perfect families where we do not offend each other? You could just wake up on the wrong side of the bed and offend people, right? Just in your own homes. And you have to bear with it there. Hopefully you're bearing with it there. You need to bear with it in church because sometimes when people walk through the door, folks, they're having a bad hair day. But you got to bear with them because that's what we're called to do. Let me just stop for a moment. Because you're like, wow, George, you're talking about changing my attitudes. You're talking about me being patient and forgiving towards other people. I can't do that. He's calling me to the impossible. Isn't that what it seems? Well, yeah. But isn't that the point that he made in the gospel in John chapter 15? About abiding in him. And then he said in verse 5, For without me you can do nothing. See, the only way that I can do these things that he's telling me to do, the things that he's calling me to action, is that I can only do it through who? Jesus. Jesus, help me to love them. Jesus, help me to forgive them. Jesus, help me to be patient with them. Here's the third thing he tells us to do. It's very obvious. Just as you are loved by God, here it is. Your life must reflect love. Your life must reflect love. Look with me. At verse 14, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. You know what? In fact, over in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we like to quote that at weddings and so forth. This is the love chapter. It basically is saying that the most important thing, more important than any of the other thing that needs to happen in your life is you're going to love. You need to express love. It's the bond that holds us together. It holds us together. is love. Loving each other. Accepting each other. Being there for each other. You know what? I hear that oftentimes. People talking about our church. They'll talk about the love that people have. The acceptance that people have for them here. And I'm thinking, yes, Lord, thank you. But you know what? I immediately follow it up with, Lord, help us to stay that way. Help us to stay that way. Because I'll be honest with you, listen to me, it will disappear like that. All it takes is one issue. All it takes is one thing to happen, and it'll disappear. We've got to actively strive to what? Love each other. Show love. And notice what he says here, this is interesting, which is the bond of perfection? What bonds us together here as a church is love. Love. Love for Christ, love for each other. Now you're saying, okay, George, that's great. Okay, so I understand who I am. I'm elect, I'm I'm holy, I'm I'm beloved, and here I'm supposed to change my attitudes and and I'm supposed to act with patience and forgiveness towards others, and I need to strive for love. All right, that's a lot. How do I sustain that? Do you know what I mean? you're like okay sometimes you know it's it's you got a work project that you're working on or you're working out in the yard and you start out and you're energetic and you're going at it and so after a while maybe it's 15 minutes for some of you it might be a couple of hours all of a sudden the energy just starts depleting but yet you know you've got to finish the job how do you sustain yourself to get the job done do you understand what i'm talking about It's the same thing with how do you sustain doing the things that God tells us to do? Well, he's going to tell us three things now. Three powerful things that I think you need to grasp. Look with me at the first one, verse 15. Look at what he says. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Okay, wait a minute, George. You know, that's great. I'd like to have peace because right now in my life, it's chaos, Right now, my life is marked by, are you ready for that? Worry, fear. I go to sleep with it. I wake up in the morning with it. I take a shower with it. I'm driving to work with it. And it's there. I don't have any peace. I just have chaos, chaos, chaos. And you're telling me that the way to sustain myself is I'm supposed to let the bond of peace happen in my life. How am I going to do it? I don't even know what peace is. But he's telling you Let the peace of God rule your life. How can I do that? Well, it's interesting. If you go over to one of his other letters, Philippians, he tells you how the peace of God enters into your life. Look with me in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Look at what he says here. He says this. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, do you see how he's telling you how you can get the peace? Don't get anxious. Don't get worried. Why? What do you do when you're anxious and worried? What's the first thing you should do? Ah! No, besides the screaming. Pray. Go to God. Talk to him. Bear your soul to him. And guess what he says? And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You want to know how to sustain yourself to be able to act this way to change your attitudes? You want to know how you sustain yourself in in acting with forgiveness and patience towards other people? You want to know how you sustain yourself by being a person who loves others. You know how you sustain yourself? You let God's peace rule your heart. How do you do that? You keep talking to him about the stuff that's going on. You keep talking to him and you let him give you the peace so that you can allow that to rule your life. You allow the peace of God to guide your life. Man, I've been there. I have been there many times through the years. Man, I'm telling you, chaos is happening, or what I call chaos, somebody else might think, well, that's nothing. Well, it was everything to me. It was chaos for me. And, and so I was like, oh, oh, but then when I go to God, and I talk to him, there's this Peace. And it got me through the next day. Got me through the next day. Until I have to go back to him again because the chaos is still happening and stuff isn't going, "Ah!" And I go to him and I say, Lord, I need you. Can you help me? And the peace was there again. And it guides you. He doesn't promise to take away the problem. He says I'll give you grace and that's the peace so the first thing is peace Here, here's the second thing look with me at verse 16 now here's what he says let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord here's the thing here's what he's want. allow God's word to permeate your life Allow his word to permeate your life. What does that mean? You need to read it. But here, you're not reading it for some religious exercise. You're not reading it because I'm supposed to have my daily time in God's word today. So let me read it and then you forget what you read. That's not reading it. That's not going to sustain you. It's you're reading it because you're wanting him to speak to you. You're wanting him to encourage you. You're wanting him to show you something that you have to ponder. And it's through his word that he changes you. We talked about that last week. You read his word not for an exercise. You read his word because by reading his word, he changes you. Slowly from the inside out. So you sustain yourself by His Word. And here's the final thing. Look with me at verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Here's what I want you to see. Allow the reality of Jesus to drive your actions. So now, when you live your life, you're living your life for God. You're doing what you're doing for God. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been there? You want to impress somebody? Trying to get somebody's attention so you you do things to get their attention, hoping that they'll see you. It's kind of like that. You live your life. You do what you do for the God who loves you. You do everything for him. That's what he's telling you here. That's what will sustain you. Because your life is no longer your own. It's his. Because you're devoted to him. You're dedicated to him. You already had that happen when you became a Christian.